Hey, everybody. Welcome to tonight's Late Night Happy Hour here. Brian Kamenetsky, Andy Kamenetsky. Very excited to be joined by Zach Harper. You know him from, good God, you are a media whore. Look at the look at banner. Look at this. We've never had this before where we run out of character. Wow. wow. <laughs> look at that. Look at all the shit you do, Zach. Yeah, that's a you lot. He's an NBA writer at The Athletic. He's got mm. a whole big new web show with Waz. It's the restricted area. It's really funny. Everybody should check Thank that you. out. Count the Dings Network, which includes Cinephobe, which is a podcast we are going to spend an awful lot of time talking about tonight, yeah. probably to the exclusion of basketball. You can find him on uh, Sirius XM NBA Radio. Uh, he is also the inventor, as far as I know, of the power ranking. Um, things no have been one's ranked. ever done it before. No one's <laughs> things ever have, things done have it. Things have been ranked. Yeah, not but power never ranked. with power. Yeah, not not this much power. Look, I don't yeah, I don't want to tell you how to do your job, uh, Zach. But have you ever considered, like, in addition to these power rankings that you invented, doing a back and forth about who is the greatest player? in a particular sport of all time. So now I've, I've had that conversation with myself before, but never <laughs> thought to do it with someone else. And yeah, that might have legs. It might, you know, it's, I don't know who I would put up against Ricky Davis, but we can have that discussion. <laughs> Start with MJ and then maybe okay. work backwards. Yeah. But I, I would sure? call yeah. it the go at rankings. <laughs> oh, go at. Yeah. Go like at. go at somebody and discuss exactly. That's what it is. Yeah. Um, uh, you, can I, you guys miss one. Uh, Mad so Dog Sports Radio. We, we are miss it. We ran out every, out of characters. Every, every Friday night, it's me and Amin Al Hassan from seven to ten p.m. Pacific time on Mad Dog Sports Radio channel eighty-two on your SiriusXM dial. Your co-host of Cinephobe, that monster. Let me tell he you, he really is. He I is. talk to him way too much. We don't even <laughs> like each other. There, there are Fridays where we talk to we talk with each other eight hours professionally professionally wow. three hours in the morning on radio two hours recording a cinephobe three hours at night on the radio you guys are like this you're, you're like the sports evolution of nick nolte and eddie murphy in 48 hours like the buddy yeah. cop black guy white guy comedy don't really it's like a, and, each other and it's a there's a lot there's a lot of racial tension let me tell you <laughs> a lot well, for people who haven't uh, heard it, I mean, the, the the Black History Month versions of Cinephobe certainly are providing a lot of leeway for Amin. I am getting dragged this month. On, I, and I just have to, I just, you know, I got to take it. I, I get it. But um, I got bullied into a pick uh, that I didn't want to make. I, I tried to make it as a joke. And I was like, no, I got a real pick. And they made me do it, um, which will be coming out on Wednesday, which is we did Soul Man. Oh God! Uh, yes, that's Whoa. the only reaction. It's the only reaction. I tried to make it as a joke, and then they're like, "No, no, no, we're going to do it." And it's and it just what a disaster that was. Soul Man and I—I I, I mean, honestly, I haven't seen it in a long time because I'm not <laughs> sure it's like legal to watch that film anymore. I had um, here's the—I had to rent it because no one's going to stream it. No, <laughs> I had to pay money for it. Like who did like rent it from where? Like I, I if you try to rent that on Amazon, I think they'll just say sorry, we can't do that. Apple Apple will always take your money. That's what <laughs> I just on iTunes. That's I what I did. You, I think if you rent that movie, you end up on a watch list. Oh one hundred percent I'm on a watch list now and I will be canceled within moments for renting this movie. If you is is there a movie that you can think of that if you went into a room of executives and pitched <laughs> today that you would be thrown out of that room faster than soul man 
Oh, faster than Soul Man? Get like executives, particularly in the era oh, we live in now, man. would be so nervous that they even like were were seen taking this meeting. They would like, toss your ass out. I mean, eight millimeter would be tough, but I still think it gets made somehow, right? Like the eight millimeter would be tough. Um, maybe the crying game. I don't remember. I, I was I was too young to really understand what was going on with the crying game, but I feel like if we all collectively watched it now. For, for um, folks who don't remember it, Soul Man. I was about to read the, I was about to read the synopsis. Here it is from Wiki, I believe. Yeah. Uh, in order to win a scholarship, Mark C. Watson, played by C. Thomas Howell, the white son of an affluent psychiatrist, uh, pretends to be black on his application form. We are already in hot water. When he's accepted, he alters his hair, skin, and speech to conceal his true identity. Please stop. <laughs> At first, Mark <laughs> believes that going through law school as a minority will be a breeze. Not sure why, but he begins to experience racism. Go figure. Eventually, yeah. Mark falls in love with Sarah Walker, played by Ray Don Chong, a black student, and begins to feel guilty about his ruse. Some might call <laughs> that his privilege. It There's a lot of privilege in this movie. <laughs> um, there's also a lot, a lot of this. There's a lot of that. It's oh, awful. like it's so <laughs> offensive. And and at, like they tried to justify, like they try to like throw some haphazard ass, um, you know, message at the end of like, oh, we've learned so much about you know what it's like on the other side of race and everything. And it, they they do such a horrible job of explaining it. And then there were comments from C. Thomas Howell a few years ago. By the way, still a very active working actor yeah. in this uh, in this industry. Um, he's been on, I think, every TV show at this point. But he tried to like say, like, you know, Robert Downey Jr. got to do it because of this. But you know, when I did it, it was it was like, you don't get to do, yeah. But what about this? You made one of the most racist movies I've ever seen. It's I mean, stunning. It's, just, it's <laughs> I, I can't. I mean, even in, and this was what year? This was 1986. 87, 86, 86. Yeah. This was a bad idea in 1986. It's not like there, this, this should have occurred to people. It's a bad in idea in 1906. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. There's a, there's a line in it where he's like, his friend is like, you know, you're going to have to be like a black person. He's like, he's like, it's the 80s. Black, everyone loves black people. It's the decade of Cosby. And it's like, oh my God, this is so outdated. <laughs> like, it's just so wrong on so many levels. So, Wednesday on Cinefo, we review Soul Man. <laughs> and you I got bullied. I, that, that is, that's a, that is. I can't officially blame Amin for it until March oh. 1st. Yeah, that's. <laughs> I can't. I, I still am stunned at. At 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 that this movie got made, yeah. I mean, it, it's it's worse than you probably remember. <laughs> I it remember really it like pretty it's, badly. <laughs> it's worse. Trust me. I had never seen the whole thing, and what's funny is it reminded me of. Remember that movie, Just One of the Guys? Yeah. So it's like the it's like the the female version of this, right? Where a woman has to pretend to be a, a guy mm -hmm. to like get on the school newspaper, or whatever. And I remember seeing that a lot as a kid on comedy central. And so I had never, I don't know that I've ever watched that movie, like start to finish, but this was the same thing with soul man. Like I remember soul man being on comedy central when I was a kid and like seeing a few here, a few there and just never being totally comfortable. 
and and probably didn't understand why I wasn't comfortable. I just knew like there's something wrong with this. And then watching it all the way through in 2021, that was an adventure. I, just, I it, it's it's like sort of like the movie equivalent of like when I was what seven or eight and Purple Rain came out and I didn't know what Darling Nikki was about. Right. I just knew I shouldn't be listening to it. <laughs> <laughs> That's how I was with Howard the Duck. I was like, there's something not right here. I don't know why she's trying to bang this duck, but that doesn't seem right. Howard the Duck, future cinephobe. We are going to do that at some point. It, you know, you, I actually, because one of the things that I think is fun about that, like you guys do a great job with this. Um, Thank you. With, you know, with, with sort of working through movies that you may not have seen in a long time, in part right. because they are terrible. Um, most of the movies, I realize you guys, you know, you might find a soft spot for them or whatever it might be. Most of these movies are God awful. Um, yeah. And you go through them in a way that's, that's fun. But I have to say you got, you did, I went back and listened to the wet hot American summer episode. Oh man. I, I don't, love that movie. I just don't, <laughs> I don't love, I don't love the spoofs. Like I just, there's something about them to where I get it. I get what they're trying to do. Um, but it's almost too cartoonish. It's like the like we did Scary Movie three. I don't like scary the Scary Movie franchise. I like I, no, I, I don't like that. those either. Yeah, I, and so like I like there's just something about it where I'm just like I get it. I get why people like it. It's just not for me. I, here's where I think Wet Hot American Summer works, where a lot of these others don't. Because you're right, like spoofs can be seriously hit or miss, yeah. and you know especially the more specific they get, the more they can hit or miss. Like you know. It, Airplane and Naked Gun, like they, these were very broad, broad spoofs. Yeah. Wet Hot American Summer, though, I think works because it's just so fucking weird. Like it, <laughs> it is, is an aggressively weird, weird yeah. movie. Yeah. Although uh, I will say, you guys did point out certain parts of the film that, in hindsight, were a little bit much. Maybe, maybe that a, little funny. Much, yeah. like the, uh, a little bit too much. Uh, Late Show Fanatic wants to know if uh, White Chicks is on the list of. Cinephobe um, movies. We have done White Chicks. That it was an episode. I don't know. It was in the teens, maybe like maybe 16, 17, something like that. I think I could be it, off on it that. It feels but like the kind of movie that inspires the show concept. And, and explain yeah. the show concept, by the way, Zach, for people who haven't seen it. So I, I think it's a lot like um, the podcast, How Did This Get Made? Right? Like, How Did This Get Made is fantastic. It's Paul Shear, yeah. it's uh, June, Diane Raphael, it's um, uh, Jason Manzukis, and they go through, like, hey, this is you know, a bad movie. How did this get me? Here's the kind of the history of it. And let's just make fun of it. We kind of, we do. I, so I've listened to how did this get made forever. I mean, and I've been talking about doing this podcast for a good five years um, and didn't get around to it till like two years ago. Cause it's me and Amin, and we're quite lazy people. Uh, but it was funny because we were like, we kind of like worked out how we were going to do this. Like, here's what we think it's going to look like and sound like here's, here's the breakdown of everything. And then, about like i think we were about to do our i don't know maybe second or third episode and it means like have you heard of this show how did this get made i was like yeah i love that i love that podcast he goes are we ripping them off like i've never listened to it but I, someone just tipped me off to it. i was like i don't know probably but like we'll, we'll do it our way right like you know enough people have ripped off the stuff we've done like i feel i feel okay i think we have a little credit on this and so we wanted to make it different from that um it's obviously there are a lot of similarities but we take movies that are rated 40% or lower on Rotten Tomatoes, either from the audience or the critic score. And then we just try to figure out, is this a good movie? So that can be either or. It can be either or. Okay. And we've had gulfs. We've had movies where 
there's a 50% difference between the audience and the, and the critic score. Like we've, we've done so we've also had ones that are like 0% and 5% like <laughs> on the splits. Um, but like we do try to go in there and try to figure out why was this so poorly rated? Was it justified? And then, you know, how would we rate it? Um, and so there are some movies on there. Like we did horrible bosses too. Uh, which I could quote the entire movie. So could it mean like I like that is that is one where it qualified and we're like, thank God, like this is a palate cleanser. Like we're going to go in there. We're going to just say all the jokes. We're going to laugh our ass off, go through the movie, go through the kind of the history of the movie and just have fun. We did that with the heartbreak kid. Or there's a movie like Gotti with John Travolta, where we were just like, I had seen it in the theater. I had seen it. I remember as a when you had actually. I, I think we texted a little bit about that. Yeah, we had texted about it. I think I, I think I saw it and did a move or did a, a podcast with Dave Schilling, the great Dave Schilling. And so nice. I think we I think we reviewed that um, on a on a podcast years ago. But like, yeah, we've done movies like Gotti, where it's just like, I love Pitbull music, but I don't know why it's in a 1980s like scene <laughs> with uh, you know a bunch of Italians celebrating Fourth of July. Like it just didn't make sense to me. But Pitbull's but- all over that soundtrack. By the way, uh, just for you and for the audience, uh, at the end of the show, we've got a game coming up that is centered around John Travolta's Rotten Tomatoes. That's all I'm I'm going to tell you. I mean, (laughs) I I figured. Yeah. (laughs) And so so we've done this um, with the movie selection. Before, it was just we rotate. It's it's, Amin takes a pick, I take a pick, and our producer, Anthony Mays, takes a pick. And so we just cycle through that. But for 2021, we're doing themed months. So January was... Um, was Nick Cage month. This is Black History Month. Uh, I don't know if I can... I'll say who the next month is. I don't care. Um, let me look it up. Wait, hold on. Remember. Let me pull up the breaking news banner. Okay, bra- breaking news banner. <laughs> we don't have that. Oh, okay. Uh, just have your obscene uh, we're doing, long... We're doing, oh, man, that is a lot of stuff. And it's you couldn't fit Mad Dog in there. All right, that's fine. Um, uh, we're doing Arnold Schwarzenegger month next Ooh. month. At least Ooh. that's the plan. Yeah. We may switch it up, but that's the plan. But it feels like the last action hero is coming up. Last oh, we did last action hero. We actually did oh, that that's one already. already. Yeah. Okay. Uh, you know what qualifies shockingly and Amin is fl- was floored by this, which probably inspired to have the Arnold month. Twins. Twins qualifies, which I cannot believe. That's really surprising. I mean, like, I yeah. don't think twins is amazing, but I, I would have figured it'd get like a 68, something like right, that. Something like that, right? Kindergarten Cop does not qualify, okay, but there's good. like an end of days. There's Batman and Robin. Eraser. Eraser. <laughs> eraser. Oh, I, I mean, and I can't race each other to eraser fast enough. Like wh- whoever gets the first pick that month is taking eraser. Your luggage. <laughs> James Conn is is James Conn yeah. the bad guy? Yeah, it's James Conn. They had these cool like green like x-ray vision uh like almost mri gun sights and stuff i remember they would shoot like these pulses into your heart and um the dude the who was El- El- elton from murphy brown was like his buddy who like was a paramedic and stuff like it's a fantastic movie is well you um, guys this is one of the things that i love when this happens we're getting a rotten tomatoes here in a second because I, I i find it like it's that you guys use rotten tomatoes as a guide is a fascinating commentary on just yeah. how we evaluate movies generally plus it's a fantastic place, a repository for reviews, which is oh, a critical part of your show. The reviews um, are crazy. One of the greatest things ever is when you get a cast, like you guys did Gone in 60 Seconds pretty recently. Yeah. 
And I I felt great about this because Amin said the same thing that I thought at the time, which was that Fast and Furious was a sequel somehow (laughs) to Gone in 60 Seconds. I, for like two years, thought it was the same movie. Um, But like the cast of Gone in 60 Seconds, which is not a good movie. No, no, I disagree. Ooh, it is, I, it's not a yeah, good movie. I, yes, it I'm is. With, I'm with Andy. It, it is, is not it's a good it, movie. It's good. It's, it could be better. It could be a lot it's better. Good. It's, got, it's, it's got fun moments in it, but it's entirely too long, first of all. Like, if, it's got Nick Cage. That's all I need. Like, I don't need a whole lot. Like, I just need Nick Cage being Nick Cage. And he's by the way, I, bri- <laughs> I briefly dated a girl who had Angelina Jolie's blonde dreadlocks. Oh, no. <laughs> it, was, it was really... Oh, we no. we dated we dated before that but we worked together so we were working together after it and i just was like oh my god like this was well intentioned on your part but my god that's a mistake no it's it's i don't know that it can be well intentioned very specific yeah like the cast for this movie is insane like there are so oh. many people in this movie yeah. um I'd, yeah you've got i mean giovanni rabisi's in it um uh, Timothy Oliphant is terrible. It's like one of his first acting roles, and he's awful. Like I don't remember him ever being bad. And then we watched this movie, uh, you know, weeks ago, and he's he's he can't deliver a line. I'm like, this is Timothy Oliphant. Like, how is he not good in this movie? Uh, Richard du- or Richard Robert Duvall's in it. Angelina Jolie, obviously. Cage, um, Chai McBride's in it. Um, Delroy Lindo, Lindo's uh, in it. Like, yeah. oh my god, yeah, it's incredible. Francis Fisher's in it. She's a fantastic yeah. actress. Francis um, Fisher, amazing. yeah. Um, we, at one point we might get into Duvall because Duvall actually speaks to a fascination I have with a very specific thing in Hollywood. But continue where you were going, Brian. I just I I love it when like you get these movies that have these phenomenal casts, like you know, and everybody is either signed up for a project that doesn't turn out to be all that good, which happens, you know, prestige movies, uh, or everybody is just slumming at the same time. Like everybody agrees to do that at the same time. That actually leads to a a big favorite uh, Hollywood conversation I have, which is the art of phoning it in. And because I I think phoning it in is a skill. Well, Nicholson, I don't think does it as well. Like I think, De- uh, like, yeah, Denzel, I think is phenomenal at phoning it in. I think Denzel is fantastic at looking at something that's like you know when he wants to do a flight or offenses or something like that. He he's incredible. Like he's like a legit incredible actor. Right. When he does something like the taking of Pelham one two three or Unstoppable, <laughs> I like that movie. I, I, I love, love taking, taking I Pelham love that one two three. Yeah, I love, I love it better than the movie. original. I think it's I, good. I lo- I love it, but like you watch Denzel in that. Denzel is putting in the ex- he's like LeBron this season. He's right. putting in the exact amount of effort in every scene required, no more, no less. But he does it without contempt for the material because there's some guys like Bruce Willis. Or Eddie Murphy, when they phone it in, you yeah, feel it's them brutal, phoning yeah. it in. Duvall, I've always thought, is a great example of good phoning it in and gone in 60 seconds. Like, I think that's a really entertaining performance. Yeah, there's, and he's there's, totally phoning it in. Yeah, he is. There's one scene. There's a scene where, like, Delroy comes into the shop. Yes, and, yes, and, and cocaine. And there's, yeah, there's, like, cocaine on the floor and everything. They're trying to hide it. And there's one part where... 
um, where Duvall like does this fake laugh because they're trying to like be very chummy yes. with Delroy and show him this car, like, oh, you'll love this car, whatever. And he like he there like he's phoning in the entire time. There's a moment where like uh he laugh he does this laugh with Delroy and he looks up at Nick Cage and does it and like does this fake mm-hmm. laugh of like this fucking guy, like we gotta get like we gotta get him out yeah. of here. And it's that's the only part where I'm like, he nailed that. Like he yes. nailed that part, but everything else in the movie is just like whatever. I'm getting a check. I don't care. But um, but he's watchable though, and he's fun. Yo, totally watchable. But to your point about Denzel, I'm with you. I've always thought that Denzel and George Clooney are like mm-hmm. the same Ooh. in that they do the exact same thing just about every time. Every once in a while, they'll venture out a little bit, right? But I love what Denzel does. I love that one thing he mostly does. I love that one thing that Clooney mostly does, and I've always thought they kind of mirrored each other in that way. Yeah, Denzel's fantastic at it. Sam Jackson's fantastic at it. I, yeah, I agree with you. Clooney's yeah. really good. But like for, for these type of movies too, like sometimes a really good actor can make an otherwise really bad movie totally watchable. And I sometimes mean, a bad actor can drag something even that's my, decent down. That's my fascination with Nick Cage. Like Nick Cage is a legitimately great actor who's just like, whatever, I gotta pay these IRS bills. Like <laughs> these the tax collectors are on my ass, and I'm just gonna take everything and keep cutting checks, cutting checks, cutting checks. And so there are times where like Mandy, right? This art house film, Mandy, he like he is unbelievable. I'm like there's the Nick Cage. Like, that's the guy I love. And then there's a movie like Next, where, by the way, Julianne Morrison, and that, yes. where I'm just the whole time I'm watching her in that movie, I'm like, okay, you needed a summer home. This is a summer home movie. Like, this is, <laughs> there's, see? But Nick Cage, like, in Face Off, he acts his ass off. He should have got an Oscar for that movie. Like, he is unbelievable in that movie. Um, there are times, <laughs> there are times where <laughs> Nick Cage, I'm just blown away. And there are times where, like, what is it? Wow, oh, man, there's one with him and Elijah Wood, the trust. Yes. Like straight to oh my God, that bad. one is brutal. That it is one, really like, bad. Come on, you could have done better. Like I it's not often I say that about Nick, but <laughs> you could have done better. That one I couldn't finish that one. I, I, I watched it on Netflix. I've seen it's, it twice. Because <laughs> I thought maybe the maybe I wasn't just because sometimes like the movie semi pro, right? Semi pro, I hated it the first time I watched it. And I don't know, I don't know why. I like I hated it and I watched it another time for some reason. I was like, this movie's hilarious. Why did I think this was bad? And now it's one of my favorite, you know, favorite sports movies. Um, but I thought so every once in a while, if I hate a movie, I'll just go watch it again at some point. Cause I'm like, maybe I was just in a semi pro mood. Uh no, the trust sucks. And it is it, it like you shouldn't watch it. You shouldn't watch it once. You shouldn't finish it. And I've watched it twice. <laughs> it's really bad. I, he yeah. he just he's got to be the patron saint of how life choices impact like your ability to utilize your talent yeah. in the most proper way possible. Absolutely. I mean, I'm looking now. We've done <laughs> we've done 71 episodes of <laughs> of Cinephobe, and Nick Cage has been on 10 of them. We've done 10 <laughs> Nick Cage movies. Like, egg, spoiler alert: I've picked I think almost all of them, if not all of them. Like, <laughs> Other than the Nick Cage month where Amin and, and Anthony Mays were forced to to pick a Nick Cage movie, but like I think I picked all the other ones. But yeah, I'm fascinated. Like I just he's that's the thing that bothers me too, is he's a legitimately great actor when he wants to be. And but everyone just sees the cartoonish version. So they're like, oh, Nick Cage is a horrible actor. I'm like, no, he's like you watch Leaving Las Vegas. Like that is a brutal movie. Brutal. Yeah. Um, but and but then you know, sometimes he makes a drive angry. And I'm just like, yeah, that's just, 
<laughs> how Andy? How many more movies? Like how many? How much more of this with Nick Cage do we need before he can do his sort of Mickey Rourke in the wrestler? Come that's back, actually restorative film. That's actually a question I had uh, for Zach. Just like the idea of can Nick Cage ever be viewed again as an actor first and foremost, or like is he too far down the line, image wise, financially, the bad luck of being in yeah. the social media age with the, the memes, the bad luck of of buying six castles and a dinosaur head, and, oh. and then realizing you didn't pay the government anything I, in the process. A list of his purchases. <laughs> it's insane. Um, I told this story on the, on the, the episode. Did Nick Cage actually <laughs> buy he, this or not? Did he buy this? I figured um, Zach would know too many yes or no. I went to uh, I went to his uh, nine foot pyramid mausoleum in a in oh, a New God. Orleans cemetery. So my my friend David Bory, fantastic comedian, he's the voice of Comedy Central. Um, he did a he was recording a half hour special in New Orleans, and so I was like, screw it. This was twenty nineteen. It's February twenty nineteen, and I was like, screw it. I'm gonna go. Like I'm gonna go. I'll I'll hang out. Um, I'll support him. Like he's. He's like one of my favorite people, one of my favorite comedians. I'm going to go. And so I went and I had like four hours to kill before I was going to meet up with them. And I was like, I don't really, I'm not really just going to go out, you know, New Orleans by myself. Like I've been here a bunch of times. I was like, oh shit. I, I know that that, I know there's a cemetery that's got a Nick Cage nine foot pyramid mausoleum. And so I, I, you know, Googled and, and tracked down where in it, where in the cemetery it is and everything. And I don't know what the statute of limitations are, but if if I'm in the clear, I may have snuck into the cemetery and gone and seen it at like like eight o'clock at night when it was too dark to really see anything. So I've only seen it at night, actually. I haven't seen allegedly. it in the day, but allegedly, <laughs> if it's legal. But I was like, "Yo, I'm I'm about this Nick Cage fandom. Like, I really am." And that that was like my mecca. Like, it was my pilgrimage. I, I remember years ago, I, I read this piece on Deadspin, of all places, about Michael McDonald and about how, like, Michael McDonald, you know, everybody does their Michael McDonald impression. Like, yeah. everybody can do, if nothing else, a half-assed Michael McDonald impression. He's pretty easy to imitate, and, like, he's right. become parodied on Yacht If Rock. only because everybody, when you do a bad Michael McDonald, everyone knows what it is. knows you're right. doing exactly. Michael McDonald. It's, right. like, it's like a it's, bad walk. sort of like the walking, yeah, right. Um, and he, like this article talked about how like Michael McDonald, who is this legitimately talented singer, like he's unbelievably yeah. good. He's ceased to become Michael McDonald. And he's basically like a concept now. Yeah. At this he's point. a like, cartoon my, character almost, right? Yeah. yeah. And I feel like that's what Nick Cage has become now. Like between, sure. between these movies that he, I guess he has to do now to probably stay out of jail <laughs> and like, I, also I just want to know how much, how much does he owe? Can we get a GoFundMe going or something? Like, I know we're not supposed to take care of rich people, but, uh, but I don't think he has any money. So I, I feel like if we can get him out of this, he could give us some real art in the future. Well, let me, let me give you a list of some of the things that he has purchased according to a little research I've done. Uh, 15 residences across the world, including homes in California, Vegas, a deserted Island, the Bahamas, the nine foot uh, tall burial tomb, as you mentioned, Shrugged and mm-hmm. Piggy Heads, $150,000 number one Superman comic, a $70 million dinosaur skull, which he had to return to the Mongolian government 
Hopefully, yeah, they found it was stolen. They found it was stolen. Yes, hopefully, he was able to get reimbursed the 300K I read that he ponied up. Two albino cobras. Um, he also has antidote because safety first. I, I was gonna ask why do you need two of those, but I'm sure they like one needs a friend. I guess well, it's, it's, you yeah, don't have to get lonely. It's mean to separate them. Yeah, responsible yeah. responsible yeah. ownership demands you have. Two. It's like it's like separating Danny DeVito and Arnold Schwarzenegger. Like they gotta re be reunited at some point. Um, a Gulfstream, <laughs> a crocodile, the Shaw of Iran's Lamborghini. Um, and then in this article in the New York Times, it said, quote, what really put Cage in the red financially wasn't the eccentric items, however, but his, over <laughs> but his overstuffed real estate portfolio. <laughs> what is an octopus? $80? You're not going to go in entire straits buying an octopus. <laughs> I mean, probably not. I don't know. Sometimes there is a tipping point to something. Maybe he was okay, and then he bought an octopus. It's like, oh shit, Nick. Like, there's no going back now. Yeah, it's great. That's the greatest version of the. Uh, how much could a banana cost? Ten dollars. Well, yeah, octopus cost eighty dollars. He has two castles. Two yeah. castles. Um, a fifteen point seven million dollar countryside estate in Rhode Island. It's just unbelievable. Isn't that just Rhode Island? You can buy Rhode Island for $15 million. Like, that's... <laughs> yes. It's yeah. insane. Uh, like, well, I mean, to answer you, like, I... He is a cartoon at this point. Like, and that's... That kind of, like, sucks. For like, I'm, a legi I'm legitimately a fan of his. And, he, and, it, and, like, I can admit, like, he is a cartoon at this point. But um, I was going to say, like, he's done some really great movies over the last few years. Mandy was one. Mandy is like Mandy's slow the first 30 minutes of it, but once once shit gets going, like it's it's pretty spectacular. Uh what? I've no hold on. I've known Sabrina for a couple of years now, and I'm just now finding out that she went to high school with Nick Cage's son. She does this every episode. Sabrina just sort of does like this drive-by where she drops this incredibly interesting thing about herself and her life and then just leaves. That should have been the introduction. Hi, nice to meet you. I went to high school with Nick Cage's son. A wrestling match. I would love to see Nick Cage at a wrestling match. I think time does not matter the level of wrestling. I don't care. But and I was going to say, like, Mom and Dad. I don't know if you guys watch Mom and Dad. I think it's on Hulu. Mom and Dad with Selma Blair and Nick Cage, yeah. I think, is great. It's like it is such a fun like horror thriller. It's not really a horror movie, but it's, I guess it's kind of in that genre now. But um, but it's it's like this concept is there's something going on where parents are trying to murder their own children. So not just all right. kids, but yeah. just their own children, right? And so Nick Cage is a father in this, and he goes crazy, and Selma Blair goes crazy, and he's so good in it. But what everyone takes away from that movie is the interview he did at the Toronto Film Festival where I think it debuted, or at least it, it did extremely well. To, and and in there, they this woman asks him, you know, what's the top, like, what what's over the top to you, right, when it comes to acting? Oh, I heard like, this interview. Yeah, and he's like, he's like, you show me where the top is, and I'll go. He's like, you know, I, I don't know where the top is. I don't act now. Uh, I feel. Like he doesn't act, he feels things, and so and he's just like so ridiculous. I'm like, you're not helping this cartoonish <laughs> image, Nick. And so, I think at a certain point, he can get to being like 
yeah, that guy's a great actor. We remember that. But I, it's also like, you know, for there was 30 years where I thought the Timberwolves might win a game. And that didn't happen. <laughs> I, I mean, it's going to come, though. It's going to come. Like, because we love redemptions and people will, someone will write him a role, but it, it might have to wait until he's like he's got a movie coming out now where he plays himself. Oh, I can't look, wait. Looking I to get a role in a Tarantino wait. movie. Yes. And it, this sounds amazing. It sounds really great. And like, it's funny, Brian, you, you mentioned Mickey Rourke earlier and I am a massive Mickey Rourke fan. Yeah. Like I, I, I mean, he lost himself along the way and, you know, he made a okay. lot of bad artistic decisions. He made a lot of bad personal decisions, you know, but he, he's got a very checkered past with some bad shit in it. Yeah. He's, but, he's bad, but I mean, art just purely objectively speaking in terms of acting talent, that guy for a while was amazing and could have yeah. been a massive movie star. He was really good looking, yeah. talented, charismatic. I actually wrote a piece for The Athletic about how nobody else could have played the wrestler. Nobody oh, no. else could have played that role. He's like, that's one of the best performances I've yes. ever seen. Like, that is it, a legitimately all time performance. It, it's amazing. But you, you saw, though, too, like the groundswell of support that he had, like, not just. As, as a comeback story, but among his peers, like there mm. are a lot of peers who idolized Mickey Rourke and like have talked about that when they, you know, like guys in like the Brad Pitt age, you know, who hadn't made it yet, but watched him in the eighties and idolized him. Nick Cage is like that for a lot of younger actors. And like yeah. he, he will, I mean, he's not somebody you ever hear anything bad about. I mean, other than just poor decisions, but like you don't really hear anything bad about him as a person. Right. He's not think, good with money and he's not good with marriage. But other no. than that, I think he's fine. <laughs> no, he's very Who bad. With doesn't have flaws. <laughs> he's like the Phil Collins of five, He's been, he's a five-time nominee for uh, the Golden Raspberry Award. Oh, man. That's too can, hard. Can you name them? All right. Um Wickerman. Wow, in one year in one year he was nominated. This is not he's not five times. He was five different years it looks like. Good god. Um, for just worst actor, I should just say, okay, just worst actor. So Wicker Man for sure. Absolutely. 2007 Wicker Man. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. I um, like that movie. Um, <laughs> the bees. <laughs> uh, Nick, I'm going to say. He flips out of the end. He flips out of the end. And look, it's, look, we, you shouldn't, you shouldn't call women this, right? But. He flips out and they've like trapped him in this thing. They're they're pouring bees into this mask. He can't escape. He's allergic to bees. He's getting terrorized, right? Like they're torturing him. They're gonna kill him. But there's was one point where he's like, the bees, no, not the bees. You bitches, you broke my legs, you bitches. Like he just like he loses himself in this horribly misogynistic rant. I felt it. Like, I don't know how you can watch that and not be like, yeah, this guy's acting his ass off. And he got a Razzie for that. Like, that's he ridiculous. Did. I'm gonna guess Ghost Rider. Correct, 2008. Oh, so back to back, wild. that's pretty impressive. That's yeah, hard you to do. Want it. Uh, you, you gotta, gotta really want it. Because um, some yeah, of his wow. bad movies, nobody even saw enough. That Another he the problem is I just disagree with the bad movies. 2008 was a prolific year for him for Golden Raspberries. National Treasure, like two or three? Oh, yes, correct. What? National Treasure Book of Secrets. That's great. That's a great <laughs> movie. <laughs> what? He's phenomenal in that. Can somebody make a screen grab of Zach's face when I said Zach when I said Book of Secrets and just the the the, the, yeah, the you disgust. make a screen grab of this too? Fuck you, Razzies! Like this is? <laughs> are you kidding me? 
are, are you now going to boycott the Razzies? <laughs> yeah, I am. You know what? I'm never going again. I'm never going back to the Razzies. Um, uh, I believe you guys mentioned this. One. This is not one that most people have seen, but I believe you mentioned this earlier. The Trust? Also 2008. Again. Uh, uh, next? Next. Yes. It's, it's not great. There is a twist. There is quote, a twist. not great. There's a twist at the end of the movie. So I'd done this for years on the internet where I've been like, this is back when next was, next was on Netflix for like eight years. Yeah. And I would say, hey, watch next. It has the most infuriating twist you've ever seen in a movie. Like M. Night Shyamalan could never dream this up. It is the most infuriating. It, yeah, thank you. It has gone way too far with the disrespect of National Treasure. It's why a lot of us are waiting for National Treasure 3 because that's going to be a phenomenal movie when Disney gets off its ass and starts making that movie. But with next, there is a point... <laughs> There's a point where the twist happens and it makes almost the entire movie irrelevant to where it's like, and I've only gotten, I've only gotten this response as like someone will tweet me, Hey, I'm about to watch next. I'm like, all right, I'll hear from you in 90 minutes. And then 90 minutes comes around and they're like, man, fuck you. I can't believe I watched that. Like, I'm so mad. I watched it because this, it is the most infuriating twist you can, you can ever watch it because it, it completely wastes your time for the entire movie. It's bad. It's yeah. really bad. I I honestly would I not have movie, thought <laughs> I would not have thought enough people had seen next for, he, super, for him to even get nominated for that. He's super weird with Jessica Biel in that movie who's a love interest. It's uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Um yeah. is uh Drive Angry? Is that Drive Angry? He no. is not nominated for that. No, but that a, movie was nominated for worst screen couple. Yeah, well, yes, yeah, not a healthy couple at all. <laughs> he's he doesn't do couples great. In That's movies, well, yeah. Days. He's also he's a he's a multi nominee for worst screen uh, couple. Knowing? What about Amber knowing? Ford. Knowing? Uh, no. That that okay. managed to to escape. That's a good movie. That's um, a movie where I found out Amin Al Haskin can be offended. <laughs> he gets he got offended wow. in that movie. The only time I've ever seen him get offended. If possible. Um, if the Razzies existed at this time, Zandalee. <laughs> I'll give you a hint. It's another sequel. It's another sequel. Ghost Rider 2? Spirit of Vengeance. Yes. Spirit of Vengeance. Yeah. It just feels That's like piling on. <laughs> I mean, it's it's kind of it's kind of rude because like Ghost Rider obviously cut like kicked off the uh the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Now, some people say it was Iron Man, but we all know it was really Ghost Rider, right? Like it kind of set the stage for everything. So I feel like it's being unfairly judged in history. I, I actually feel bad for Cage with Ghost Rider because that was not a paycheck movie for him. That was a movie he deeply no, he, cared about. He loves Ghost Rider. Like that is like like it's like Superman and Ghost Rider is like his favorite comics. And my favorite my favorite fact about Ghost Rider is in the director's commentary, in which you're damn right I've watched the director's commentary DVD <laughs> Ghost Rider. Uh, they did make a Ghost Rider sequel. It's not great. I'll say that. It's not the best movie I've ever seen. Uh, but in the director's commentary, there were internet there were internet rumors that Cage's abs were CGI'd. And so the director addresses those rumors in the director's commentary of the DVD. And it's one of the best moments in cinema history that he just addressed this. And it's like, no, he... He put in the work, and Cage has always been kind of like secretly jacked. Yeah, like we oh. did. We we did Kiss of Death. Kiss mm-hmm. of Death. He like Ultimate Warrior throws a guy out of a semi truck like it's nothing, and I yeah. think he legitimately did that. And he's got gun. He doesn't wear sleeves in that movie. No, nope. he has nothing but all white clothing, no sleeves on any of his shirts, and he is jacked in that movie. 
Yeah, it, it, that movie. <laughs> I, I actually, I think I brought this up to you in the text when I reached out to you about coming on. When I, when I, I still remember that movie came out like in '95 or '96, so it's been like twenty. It's a death in '95. Yeah. I, this is still like a blow my mind top five. What the fuck were you thinking? Decision. It's David bad. Caruso deciding I am going to declare myself a movie star, taking the low key role opposite a totally unhinged Nick Cage <laughs> yeah. as a way of letting people know I am movie star material. That, I remember at, at the moment being like, what? That cast is loaded too. It's Cage, yes. it's Stanley Tucci, it's uh, Helen Hunt, uh, Michael Rappaport back when he was a, a really like dedicated actor. Um, I feel like there's oh Sam Jackson's in that or yeah Samuel Jackson's in that movie. Um, I feel like I'm missing one more uh, major I, actor. I'm pulling, I'm pulling up the IMDb: that, Caruso, that cast, Sam Jackson, Nick Cage, Helen yeah. Hunt, uh, Catherine Erb, who people know from uh, one of the many Law and Orders. Uh, Stanley Tucci, Law, uh, Michael Rappaport, Ving Rhames, Philip Ving Baker, Rames. Paul. Yep. Um, it's it's the most more. impressive. It's one of the most impressive casts I've ever seen, and David Caruso, who's <laughs> just I mean, and so we've done two Caruso movies. We did that. And we did Jade. Ooh. He's the worst actor of all time. <laughs> yeah, he's like I never want to like. I get we can get like hyperbolic and stuff, and like oh, Cage is the worst. No, David Caruso is legitimately the worst actor you could ever have. That but there was a there was a moment in time where like we were all in the David Caruso business. I mean, I, yeah, I know we're a little bit older NYPD than NYPD Blue, like, yeah. Yes, and he was on it for two fucking seasons, and, and decided great. he was the shit. Yeah. And I'm gonna go make movies now. I'm too big for this TV thing. And of course, now he's. You know, I don't weep for the guy. He's made you know a gajillion dollars off all the CSI shit. But he's right. exactly where he was before, which was oh, where yeah. he always should have been, which is on TV on yeah. like. CBS series like that's I what mean, he was there's a scene in kiss of death where he finds out uh his wife has died in a car accident spoiler mm -hmm. and uh I legitimately think that they cut it a certain way because he was so bad at acting because <laughs> they call him he's in jail they call him into like the warden's office or like the chaplain or something like that and they close the door and then you just hear him react you hear him react instead of watching react and i have to think it was just simply like the director was like i can't work with this like this, <laughs> these takes don't work just show the outside of the office we'll dub in the sound like that's how bad he is he is really bad like i i like that movie i will watch it it's not good like it's, it, really it's not well, it's really bad <laughs> <laughs> it is not cage though is so good that movie came out the same year as leaving las vegas yeah like that was an you should have gotten two oscars that year by the way too uh that movie also came out the same year as jade so you had two things <laughs> it's really, true, it two <laughs> really going in opposite directions oh my god yeah. like, what is what what is the the what is the secret to being a good bad movie <sighs> That's a good question. Um, there has to be, there's got to be some quotable lines for one, right? That just get people regardless. And there's got to be a, there's got to be a moment where you're just like laughing to yourself, but you don't want to stop watching. I think <laughs> that's the key. Like is to where you're just like, I don't know what I'm doing here, but I'm, I'm going to do it. 
And I think that's the key to, to a good bad movie is just that this it's a lot like how I describe the experience of following me on Twitter, right? It's begrudging <laughs> acceptance. It's begrudging like that's the only that's only ever the like I you can say you hate me, you can say you love me. I don't really care. I I it's when someone's mad they laughed at something I said, that's the reaction I'm looking for. That and I think that's what a good bad movie is is begrudging acceptance of the experience it's like you know in the nba like every one of the i think the more fun like i i don't care at all about i do have you know you you put the rockets to 16 this week and i got a real problem with that you know given what they they were good yeah why watchability Which, rankings like fun rankings like those hmm. to me because like that there are teams that are pretty good and aren't any fun to watch. There are teams that are yeah. so average that it's like I can't. I don't have. They they elicit no emotion whatsoever. And there are some shitty basketball teams that are still enormous fun to watch. Yeah, for all I kinds mean, of reasons. I guess they're kind of good this year, but like Charlotte, right? Like yeah. the Hornets are super fun to watch. Um, still the, under five hundred. Yeah, I think they're still a game under five hundred. But like the Thunder are fun to watch. The Thunder yes. like are are pretty bad. Um, the Pistons and Wolves not fun to watch. Now the Wolves do need Carl Anthony Towns back, but they're not fun to watch. But like the Bulls are kind of fun. Um, they're kind of a fun team. I would say the Jazz before this year really good team that was really kind of excruciating to watch. Unless Donovan Mitchell was going off every but this year, basically this year, every year of their existence. The Jazz. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. That's that's also true. But this year, like legitimately fun basketball, right? Like there, there is that, and there are a lot of movies that correlate to those kind of things. What have you? What do you think you've learned most about like audiences and film critics during this experience? Because for people who haven't listened Ooh. to cinema, you guys go through critics reviews like you know the rotten tomatoes aggregates for critics and also yeah. of fans who leave comments and you guys yeah. read a lot of both and you guys have sifted through an awful lot of not both. you guys this guy i'm the <laughs> one that gets the reviews those two jokers don't do shit with that stuff i do that um yeah, yeah no it's it's funny like um with critics there's some critics that just really want to be a good writer Right. It's the, and I think it's it becomes less about reviewing the movie and more about like, here, I'm gonna show my vocabulary. And it's like sometimes I'm just like and I and I've never been like a that's kind of the funny part about doing that part of the podcast is like I've never been someone like I gotta read the reviews before I see this movie. I don't give a shit what someone says about the movie. Like I, if I want to see it, I wanna see it, right? Um like all, all I need is a good trailer and I will go see a movie. Like it, like I, it, the concept can be complete terrible, but if you throw, I don't even like the Rolling Stones, but if you throw a Rolling Stones song into a movie trailer, I'm in. Like it just works. Like that's where that's where Mick Jagger was at his best. To me is in the movie trailers. <laughs> no, pretty pretty much. Gimme Shelter makes anything sound incredibly riveting. You throw Gimme Shelter into a trailer about anything, I will go watch it. Um, <laughs> that's absolutely. That's how he's been filling theaters for years now. <laughs> That's true. That's how it happens. But, um, but yeah, I think that there are a lot of a lot of movie critics that are just hoping to sound smart instead of like just reviewing the movie. And so, yeah, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Go, yeah, oh, no. go, keep going. And and then, and then with the fan portion of it, like, and it, it's it's kind of become. I guess it's it, like working in sports coverage. Like, I I get that get this aspect more now, and I'm definitely this way with movies. Like. Some people like I just like what I like, right? Like I like I don't need 
something that's dr- driven me crazy about the Jurassic World series, not Jurassic Park, but the Jurassic World like sequels is like people are like, oh, it's not good because like you know, uh, Chris Pratt this and who is it, uh, Bryce Dallas Howard that and everything like they're. And I was like, they're not the main characters of the movie. The dinosaurs are. I could give a shit what the humans are going to do in this movie. Their job is to get hunted and eaten. And so when I see Jurassic World or Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom, I want to see dinosaurs do cool shit that yes. they can't do anymore because they don't exist anymore, right? This, That's what this, I want to see out of that. That formula, by the way, is why Deep Blue Sea is the best of all oh, of these movies God, because so there good. has never been a movie ever made where human beings are treated as more disposable than yes. they are in Deep Blue Sea. What a concept, too. Here, I got an idea for a movie. Smart Sharks. Like, that is <laughs> smart sharks. That's what we're going to do. I, I remember I that for me. I need that. I need. I made an actual spit take of it. Like, <laughs> smart sharks is all I need for a movie concept. You throw Gimme Shelter onto a smart shark, I will give it a fucking Oscar. I, like, I don't care. I remember when that movie came out, I, I was bartending in Westwood at the time, and one of my regulars had told me that he had just seen Deep Blue Sea, and I really wanted to see it, and I hadn't yet, and I asked him what he thought of it, and he's like, yeah, you know, it's it's fine, it's it's okay, but like they play up these sharks like they're really smart. I don't know, I didn't think they were that smart, and I watched this movie, and I'm like, he called them dogs. What? He referred to them, they're like dogs. Yeah, I was like, what the hell else did you expect sharks to do that they didn't do in this movie? No, but Andy, beyond that, they they the sharks in Deep Blue Sea have a fundamental understanding of buoyancy and how yeah. like they sink the station. They know yeah. how to do it. Yeah. I was like, like oh, what? they get to the I top, they that. win. Let's sink this shit. Like that's right. what they want to do. I was like, that's how much smart. smarter? I was like, how much smarter did you expect these sharks to end up? Oh, like, the sharks know how to do that. The sharks bomb. did. Like, like, like this is, there's no, I, I don't get what you would possibly want out of Deep Blue Sea other than more Deep Blue Sea movies. Look, Although the sequel is not good. They, no. <laughs> but they, they treated, Deep Blue Sea managed to treat all of the characters as totally disposable. Like even yeah. the other characters treat each other as disposable. Like somebody will get eaten and everyone's reaction is like, <gasps> eh. <laughs> all right. right well, yeah. you know. And the one, and, the one shocking one is Sam Jackson because he's in the middle of the speech, right? But then after amazing. that, like I'm waiting for Thomas Jane to get killed. I'm waiting for LL Cool J to get killed. I'm waiting for that fucking parrot to get eaten. I hate birds. I'm waiting for that bird to die. But they, they are still, I guess, sort of forward-thinking, progressive, different enough that they let one black guy survive in yeah. Deep Blue Sea. LL it's Cool J. I think that was legitimately the first movie where like yes. the black guy got to survive. I, I mean, because of the way Hollywood worked, it was actually like a big spoiler alert surprise that LL Cool J survived just because you figure formula, he's got to get killed at some point. Yeah, like that's just the way these things work. Well, he got to survive so he could have the the Deep Blue Sea song, right? Deepest bluest, my heart, my hat up like a shark's fin. Like that's, that's a bar, man. That's great. All right, I got a, a bone to pick with. Uh, this was something I learned from the Gone uh, Gone in sixty seconds pod that you guys just recently did for Nick Cage Month with a mean. Yeah. His contention that cars in movies suck. What the hell? What? What? I think I think it means got some some PTSD here because I believe it was Channing Fry where the first time like I think when they were trying to get Channing Fry on the Suns Amin went and picked him up from the airport and I think he got to like take David Griffin's car 
right? <laughs> and he's told the story before. So he got to take David Griffith's car, and it's a nice car, and he, you know, shows up and he's, you know, taking Channing around or whatever. And then the second, and I think once they got him, Amin had to go pick him up for, you know, from the airport or something like that. And Amin had to take his own car. And I think he's gotten shit for that forever <laughs> because it's not David Griffin's car. And so I think he has this contempt for cars. And like, I'm not a big car guy. I love the Fast and Furious franchise, but I'm not in it for the cars, right? I'm in it for Vin Diesel. Like that's right. what I that's what I want out of that. But um, but I think like he's got this, yeah, this contempt for for cars and movies. I'm like, what do you what do you want no, from this? Like, I'm not a car guy in the slightest. Like you will you will meet few people who care about cars less in real life than me. All right. I want is one that doesn't break down. That's literally all I care about. It's just yeah. that I don't have to take the thing in the shop all the time. Car chases in awesome. movies, the best. Oh, it's incredible. They're the best. Like I, I never noticed this and gone in 60 seconds before, but I noticed it. I said it on the pod is there's a scene where they're driving. Uh, Nick Cage is, is driving alongside a cop car and they're going down a a street and so there's a suv coming and the suv has to swerve off the road and it hits a parked car and you see in the background this pedestrian gets smoked by the parked car that this car hits but it never cuts to it and shows like oh people flying all around like what a, look at the carnage everything i think this person legitimately just got hit by accident by this car <laughs> and i am dying to know the real story of what happened because if you want like you watch that scene this person gets obliterated like they fly in the air oh wow I, and i i gotta know what happened i uh my wife and i when we went i think it was when we took our honeymoon to greece or something like that we we there was a british version of america's funniest home videos <laughs> called oops <laughs> 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 and so the only difference is it's like the same thing, but like the Bob Saget version, like you see the person, like, you know, they get hit by a, a deer, like right. running, yeah. but they, they pop up. They're like, I'm good. It's okay. It was a deer. Wasn't that crazy? What a fun story we have to tell. Right. Oops. Doesn't show you that. You just see the person like slam their bike into, to a, like a concrete wall <laughs> and it just cuts away. And you're like, oh, no, what happened? Are they okay? And it's, it's just, like, it's like 45 minutes of that. It's like the have you ever watched those YouTube videos of just like car wrecks in Russia? Like it's just like <laughs> no. it's a, that is that is a rabbit hole that you cannot climb out of. Like that is there are a lot of them. There are a lot of these videos. They catch a lot of these car wrecks in Russia on video, and that is I mean, there's like 10 minute videos out there that you could just it's a lot. I, you, I highly did, recommend were it. You, were you still around for the faces of death video era? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Okay. I never, I never, I never could. I knew about <laughs> them, but I never, that was, that was something where I'm like, I can't watch that. That's, that's I, I had to leave the room. I, whenever yeah. like people would pop those in, I was like, I, 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 I know. Yeah. I never watched it all the way through more than once. <laughs> <laughs> you sound like my relationship with Gili. I've seen Gili <laughs> almost four times. Um, and it's because I've seen it three full times. And then I, well, so I, the fourth time I watched it or the, <laughs> Sort of third full time I watched it was for Cinephobe because we of course we've done Gili but before that I used to tell people if I if Gili came up I'd be like oh I've seen that almost three times because I've watched it two way two times all the way through and then the third time I was about probably forty percent into the movie and I just remember thinking what am I doing <laughs> what are, like what am I doing with my life and so that I just like I stopped playing it yeah the fourth time um, you watch Gili is a cry for help <laughs> that's what Cinephobe is it's a cry for help. <laughs> I, isn't, I mean, the other thing about Amin is 
he, he doesn't like cars. He's also a, a very, very, very cheap. Like oh, the, yeah. the resentment he shows for having to spend two ninety nine to watch this movie. And he's that, well, that doesn't feel like shtick to me. That feels genuinely no, he, he's real. Upset. Especially, I can't remember which movie it was. There was a movie recently where it's gone in sixty seconds. He oh, had to do it twice. He, so <laughs> we got it for free because it was like through the Bravo app or something, which I don't understand that. But it was like days <laughs> and I watched it through the Bravo app. Amin rented the old one from like the seventies yeah. or the sixties or whatever that was. Was like fifteen minutes into it, realized, oh. <laughs> This isn't the right movie, and then had to rent the other one. So he spent like eight dollars on this, and then because he had watched fifteen minutes of the other one, he never even finished the movie before we started recording the pod. He just he was just like, I don't care. Like he, and so he was he was in a bad mood. Yeah, he he seemed genuinely predisposed yeah. to give this movie a thumbs down because of his own incompetency. Like I would he, say one out of every seven movies, he just decided, I'm not going to enjoy this experience. He's, he's a crabby motherfucker. <laughs> extremely, <laughs> extremely crabby. I love the guy, but he's, I mean, come on. I talk. Yet, I wouldn't say love. And yet, <laughs> he's a crabby but motherfucker. I don't talk to him for eight hours every Friday. <laughs> 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 at the end of that, at the end of it, is it like, are you guys like, you hang up? No, you hang up. No, you it's definitely up. not that. The, the, that third hour of the second radio show like we need a guest we at, like that is something where we like you can feel the tension and just the i can't stand this person building through i guess technically hour seven of talking that day and then once it gets to the eighth hour like we have to have a guest at the top that interview is going long i can guarantee it whether we have stuff for it or not that one's going long and then we are just trying to get to the finish okay, line well, and there's never and there's never a goodbye it's just like I, you know, I sign off on the radio show and then it's just and <laughs> like hit the like turn off the equipment. It's not like, all right, have a good ne- weekend. Like it's just over. Never knowing what we know now, never book us for that slot because we will absolutely cancel. <laughs> just going to say, I'm guys a, I want Brian at nine. I need Andy at nine thirty, And then both of you just leave us out to dry. Yep. <laughs> oh, you meant this, this night. Yo, oh, this sorry. night. Oh, sorry. I'm ready tomorrow night. I didn't know. Yeah, I'm good to go. <laughs> what do you guys want to talk about on Sunday? <laughs> you, you, have you guys basically reached like the old married couple moment where you have nothing to say to each other unless there's like a specific reason? Unless, unless there's a bad movie. If there's a bad movie, but like he, I, there, hold on, let me find this text. There's a text this morning where um, I woke up to our group chat uh, where I mean at 7 a.m. rewatching Bloodsport. <laughs> and I'm at the scene where Bolo fights Ray. A couple of observations, colon. <laughs> One, there's a meowing sound constantly in the background. Did we address that? What is that? <laughs> Two, in retrospect, what is Ray doing in the tournament? He's basically a hillbilly with cut, off, with cut sleeves off fighting against some of the greatest martial artists in the world. Three, Ray is treated in the most tropical-ass hospital ever. Palm trees and shit right outside his room. And then sends me a video of van damme on the bus where he imagines below young on the bus as well that was all at like from seven to seven oh five i woke up to that <laughs> you know too much <laughs> no way too much all right uh yeah. we don't want to keep you too long but we got this game uh that is inspired by cinephobe and the amount Ooh. of uh amount of rotten tomatoes that come into it uh okay. john travolta for people who have not seen the art he is one of the cinephobe uh patron saints that's true him. yeah 
second from the right. In can you between... name everybody on there? Do you guys? Can you guys recognize everybody? It's, uh, Zach Amin. <laughs> Zach Amin. Um, yeah. Uh, Cage is in the middle. That's Eddie Murphy. Murphy. Eddie Murphy no. knows left. That's no, not Eddie, Eddie Murphy. Murphy. No, it looks like Eddie Murphy. It looks like Eddie Murphy. It's uh, I'll give it's Marlon Wayans. Got to be honest, it looks more like Eddie Murphy, oh, and Eddie yeah. Murphy has a lot of cinephobic <laughs> material. No, I don't think this is a, there this may be is Eddie not Murphy where Andy and I are mixing up Todd Bowles and Byron Leftwich. That looks no, I, I'm <laughs> letting us off the hook. That, that yeah, is, uh, yeah, this, this is not nobody say casual racism, whatever. No. Uh, <laughs> Travolta to the right of Cage, yeah, that's Seagal in sunglasses, yep, and then. Farthest to the left, I was going to ask you about this. Is that Amy Schumer? It is Amy Schumer. Oh. We've never done an a- we haven't done an Amy Schumer movie. I don't even know if she has movies that qualify. Amin just hates her. <laughs> I was going to ask, how did she end up there? She's got like four movies. Four movies. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if Trainwreck qualifies. Like, I guess at some point, Trainwreck There's... got well reviewed. That wouldn't make I think it. it did. Um, I know it did. Yeah, that, there's one? a she had a movie with Goldie Hawn. Yeah, not so much in terms of the reviews. That one is cinephobe material. Um, yeah, that that one maybe at some point. Yeah, but anyway, so Travolta's starting five for cinephobes art, and mm-hmm. he's had a interesting career. A lot of projects that can be discussed <laughs> yeah, on guy. cinephobe. Um, with that, what we have discussed on you cinephobe. guys have done Battlefield Earth. I oh yeah, oh yeah, that's an all time <laughs> episode. <laughs> Um, we are going to do a quiz based on John Travolta's Rotten Tomatoes page for people. Uh, as a reminder, 60% is fresh. Less than 60% is considered rotten. For the sake of yeah. simplicity, all of these questions with Rotten Tomatoes will be about the critic scores, not the okay. fans, just to make things easier. Okay. Question: I will alternate. You guys will both get to answer. Uh, Brian will go first, then Zach. Next question, Zach, then Brian. Okay. Travolta has 54 films that have been critically aggregated and scored on Rotten Tomatoes. He has more, but a few have not been scored for whatever reason. Of those 54, over under, 17 are certified fresh. Put another way, 31% certified fresh. Over under, 17. Brian goes first. I'm going to take the under. I believe in John. I'll take the over. Oh, you should have trusted your gut on this one, Zach. <laughs> that was my gut. Fifteen. Uh, that's your that's your head, not your heart, man. He got robbed, man. Twenty eight percent rounding off. Oh, we've done. <laughs> we did the fanatic, uh, which is a very offensive performance. <laughs> um, Taylor alert! The fanatic comes up later in this quiz. Uh, okay. Um, I am wrath. Not a great movie. Uh, we we did Battlefield Earth. I feel like, oh we Gotti. I think that I think those I think those are only I've seen. Movie. I am oh Swordfish. Oh Swordfish. I what a great okay. movie. Also I, comes. I, up. That was a movie that landed on your list that you guys did a show on. That I was like, no, that's that's too good. Yeah, it's too good. Like, yeah, it's crazy that that qualifies. Which Travolta movie has the highest tomato meter score? And the next oh. four, not a trick question. These are his four highest, just not necessarily in order. Carrie. Face off, pulp fiction, hairspray. Carry face Ooh. off, pulp fiction, hairspray. So which one's the highest? Highest tomato meter, freshest. So, so pulp fiction, I would assume would be, but I'm gonna go with face off. Face off's ninety two percent. Face off should be the highest one. That's the best movie. I was gonna say, I, I will, I will say pulp fiction. Oh, it's carry. Really? Carrie has a 93 Pulp Fiction and Face Off, I believe, are both 92. But I, watched, Carrie, 
I watched Carrie with uh, with my girlfriend recently. She hadn't seen. I don't think she had seen the original. Um, we actually watched the original and then the remake back to back, which that was a night. Um, but we, but watching that, like that movie, wildly inappropriate. Yes, Wild. it is. Yes, there it are is. just like naked high school girls in the to start the movie in a shower scene in gym class. I'm like, how does this get allowed? These are supposed time. to be high schoolers. Different time. John Travolta, by the way, 10-time nominee for worst actor at the Golden Rats. <laughs> feels low. It feels low. <laughs> yeah. All right, next one. Brian goes first. I cannot, right. I can't do the lowest tomato score for Travolta because he has multiples with a zero. <laughs> I know, I know, I know at least one of them. I'll tell you that. How many total zeros does John Travolta have? Five, six, seven, or eight? Brian goes first. Seven. Zach. My initial thought was six. I'll go with six. Oh, it's seven. He oh, has seven nice. zeros. I'm not going to say which because they may come up later in the quiz. Brian up two to nothing. What is the highest grossing rotten scored Travolta movie? Uh, domestic box score, not adjusted to inflation. This is the initial run. All of these movies made at least $100 million at the box office. Highest grossing rotten scored Travolta movie. Okay. Phenomenon, The General's Daughter, Wild Hogs. <laughs> that is a terrible Wild Hogs. <laughs> Look who's Wild talking. Wild Hogs made $100 million? Are you shitting me? <laughs> no, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> Phenomenon, The General's Fucking Daughter. Tim Allen, I swear to God. <laughs> Wild Hogs. Look who's talking. Highest grossing. I'm rock. going. Look who's talking. That's the best. Who's talking? A made a fuck ton of money. Yeah, <laughs> it's not a banger, but it made a lot of money. I think it is. That's a banger. Call. That's a great movie. Brian, I said, look who's talking. Oh, it's wild. <laughs> what? 168 million wild dogs made <laughs> at the box office. <laughs> Look who's talking! Only 137. I swear to God, Middle America, don't you ever, ever <laughs> influence anything ever again. I'm not fucking around here. Like, you like we got to get rid of Middle America. Yeah, that's incredible. Un I know it's unbelievable, but it's true. What is the highest rated rotten scored movie of Travolta's? Rotten scored movie of Travolta's. The highest. Look who's talking. Now? No, the, oh, the highest rated of all of them. The highest number of his rotten scored movies. Mm. Look Who's Talking, Broken Arrow, Taking of what, Pelham 1, 2, 3, or again, Phenomenon. So this and these, is, by the way, are the four highest of his rotten scored movies. I love Broken Arrow, man. That's a good movie. Ain't so it cool? This is the guy who just like gets like 68% of the vote for Hall MLB Hall of Fame on like the 12th ballot and now can't get in. Basically, yes. Yeah. He was almost in the good part. The, these are rotten scored movies. These are his four highest that were not fresh. Look who's talking, Broken Arrow, Taken a Pelham 123, which is bullshit. That movie's fresh. That's and Phenomenon. Yeah, Brian, I believe, I believe you go first. Yeah, yeah, Brian first. God-awful film. I'm going to go back to Look Who's Talking. I think this is where Look Who's Talking breaks through. A lot of people like that film. What were the four options again? I'm sorry. I, I got distracted. Broken Arrow. <laughs> 
<laughs> Luke is talking Broken Arrow. Taking a double Howie Long in that movie. Uh, I'm going Broken Arrow. I'm Broken Arrow. I, I love that movie. It's Look Who's Talking. Brian what? was correct. Look Who's Talking. That was, was pretty, that was a pretty popular movie. And I, I also think Zach is taking this far more seriously than he takes his power rankings. Way more seriously. Well, this, this matters. This. <laughs> a lot of darts at a board with, that, with those power rankings. When I was in college, I got taken by this girl to a sorority outing of hers for the taping of the show. Do you remember Baby Talk? Which was loosely no. based on Look Who's Talking. It starred a then still struggling George Clooney who ultimately oh. decided he wasn't struggling enough not to quit the show, and he was replaced by Scott Baio. Tony Danza voiced one of the babies. Of course. <laughs> this is true. Scott Baio, by the time, all-time piece of shit right there. Let me tell you yes, now. I'll throw that on the record. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we won't stop you. Yeah. Uh, Brian is up three to nothing. Zach, you go first on this one. Higher tomato score. Again, this is all relative. Look who's talking to or look who's talking now. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care what the answer is. I only accept look who's talking to. If it's look who's talking now, I will close my laptop. I am not messing around here. This is getting offensive. This is getting offensive. It cannot be look who's talking now. We're supposed to be living in a society, right? We're supposed to be living in a society. We're supposed to be in a post-Trump world in which things are starting to get slowly put back into place. And I swear to God, if it's look who's talking now over look who's talking to. I'm going to lose my shit. <laughs> I will Brian. take look who's talking now. <laughs> Zach is finally on the board. It is, I in fact, going to need a new laptop. I was going to throw that thing against the wall. It was look who's talking now is one of Travolta's 7 0. <laughs> Wait, he's in the third one? Yes, he is. Oh, <laughs> he could have gotten out of it. <laughs> Is Kirstie yes. Alley still in it? Yes, she is. Yes, God, she God. is. What an agent. What are you doing? <laughs> and back together. Higher tomato score. Again, all relative. The Punisher or Swordfish? Brian goes first. Oh, I'm now I'm pulling a Zach. If it's not Swordfish, um, I'm gonna be real mad here. It's gotta be Sword. Swordfish is a great not movie. A I don't movie. understand. Yeah. Bullshit. It's actually the Punisher 28 versus 25. I don't understand how either. Swordfish is fantastic. I don't get I don't get it. But the Punisher Hugh Jackman typing on 96 computers at once. What more do you need? That's the idea. The, who's the guy that wrote it? I think it's Skip Woods. For some reason, that name is stuck in my head. There is a there is a scene for no reason in which John Travolta gets a woman to perform a sexual act on Hugh Jackman while he's hacking yep. a government system in 60 seconds with a gun to his head. Here's what I'm thinking. At that point, don't need the gun to my head, okay? Like I get the gravity of the situation. But it's pressure. It's pressure. It's and it is to it, it is a great movie. Swordfish is fantastic. Yeah. Higher tomato score, again, cannot emphasize enough. This is all relative. Perfect, his iconic bomb about a Rolling Stone reporter going inside the jazzercise craze that, bad movie. That, that created this. I mean, that's got to be a zero. So uh, what's the other option? Not to bring this full circle, but doesn't that sound like something that would inspire somebody eventually to make Soul Man? Yes, 100%. 100%. Yeah. Remember, this, yeah. this was a thing. This was a thing it's that's still a thing. Look at it. Look at it. It's going forever. <laughs> there is something oddly hypnotic. I can't stop watching it. I should, but put the kids to bed. Travolta's out. 
<laughs> perfect or the fanatic. The fanatic what? Direct, oh, the fanatic no. directed by one Fred Durst, oh, where Travolta no. plays a movie fan stalking his favorite actor. Perfect or the fanatic? Let me tell you, I, and this is not me trying to be funny in any way. Travolta's character in that movie. <laughs> I don't know what this person has, but they're clearly on the spectrum in some way. And his performance is one of the most offensive things I've ever seen. Like the it fanatic is the fanatic. different. Yeah. yeah, both. Yes. Um, <laughs> but I'm going to go, oh man, I, I, mean, I kind of think higher tomato of, score. Perfect. If this is offensive fanatic. to you, you're the problem. Not John. The Travolta. thing is I think the fanatic is at like 5%. Right? <laughs> it's so, do I think perfect is below that? <laughs> It's gotta be. I'll go perfect. It's gotta be. I think Brian, the answer is perfect. The higher tomato score is perfect. Actually, nineteen versus sixteen for the fanatic. Really says wow. it really speaks to how bad the fanatic is because perfect. <laughs> I'm not joking or exaggerating. This is not hyperbole. It made Travolta unemployable for like let, four let years. Me, let me tell you what the fanatic didn't make me think is that Fred Durst knows what stocking is because that is. <laughs> That is a confusing movie. Okay. Now, Brian is up four to one. This is the last question, but Zach, as luck would have it, total coincidence, this question is worth four. So you have the opportunity to to win. Just amazing coincidence. Yeah. True or false? True or false? The rottenest, lowest scored movie Travolta ever made that is not a zero is Battlefield Earth. True or false? That is the lowest rottenest Travolta movie with an actual number, not a zero, Battlefield Earth. Ryan quickly trying to figure out how many movie critics are Scientologists. Ryan goes goes first. I'm going to say false. That's the lowest without being a zero? Lowest without being a zero. That's true. I think it's false. I I think... I think Battlefield is like 3% or 4% or something like that. Like, it's low. It's really low. I mean, he said false. I got to go true because I got to I gotta go for the win here. So I'll say true. Congratulations, Zach Harper. You are oh. the winner. And you hit you it on the nose. 3% Woo! fresh. You assume that positive review oh. came from the church's film critic. It might have come from me. I don't know. It's- <laughs> I filed that movie. There you oh. go. Five to four, Zach. Congrats. Wow. Man. Wow. Well, I feel I, I, this is what it this is what it feels like to be a champion. This is great. <laughs> this oh all right. Well, let's put your banner back up here because as we leave, it's gonna take an hour to read all the shit you do. So <laughs> all right. Um anyway, coming up tomorrow, uh Ben Lyons, we're gonna celebrate our hundredth oh, episode yeah. as an independent entity. Your we banner had, is so, banner is we so had big, ben, by the way. <laughs> I know I'm, I'm up here. Uh, we had Ben. Um, ben called in because he w- he reviewed one of the movies we did. He was a review on Rotten Tomatoes. What was the movie that we did? Alaska. Um, it was. Oh, it was, it was our Christmas episode. It was four Christmases. <laughs> it was four Christmases. And so I read it because I when I was doing the the reviews research, I was like, I was like. Ben Lyons. I wonder if that's the same Ben Lyons. I'll just throw it in there just in case. And then when I read it, it means like, I'm going to call him right now. So he calls Ben. Ben answered. Ben came on, talked about his review of, of Four Christmases for, I don't know, four or five minutes. We talked about the Knicks a little bit. He's great. Oh, that's awesome. 
Yeah, yeah. Uh, he is Bill Murray. We bring him on whenever we have yeah. a special anniversary episode. So tomorrow, our one hundredth independent uh, episode of the Late Night Happy Hour. This shit's really blocking me. This is incredible. Like this is I'm a do less. You whore. It's not our fault. We're trying to help you out. <laughs> Um, all right, so uh, and then so tomorrow it's uh Ben Lyons, Wednesday, Chris Johnson. We'll talk to the super 70s sports guy, Ricky Cobb, on Thursday, Claire DeLune on Friday. So, a lot of basketball, a lot of just random pop culture shit coming up, too. Um, you can find Zach at Talk Hoops on the Cinephobe podcast at uh, yeah. the Athletic NBA, also Count the Dings, his new show, The Restricted Area with Big Waz, Sirius XM NBA Radio. He holds up those signs outside of, uh, you know, <laughs> then spins them outside of laundromats. <laughs> Probably on, uh, what's the thing where if you you call and, like, you just leave messages for people? Cameo. Um, yeah. cameo you can probably come on cameo. cameo. I, I don't remember the login, but I do have a cameo somewhere. <laughs> Zach will be doing a virtual tight five Thursday night. I'll be doing a tight five. Actually, Thursday night, if I may, uh, on the stereo app, Amin and I will be reviewing our review of Soul Man. So if you have if you have the stereo Ooh. app, uh stereo.com slash talk hoops or stereo.com slash Darth Amin. We're going at 4 p.m. Pacific time. We'll go for about an hour or two. And you're gonna go over. First time you've ever used stereo, and you'll help Zach and uh, you'll, you'll help us out at Count the Dings. You'll help us, uh, you know, uh, keep uh, being able to pay our producer because without him, I really want to hear the Soul Man review. <laughs> I'm intrigued. Wednesday, Wednesday morning, it will be in your feeds on the Cinephobe uh, podcast feed with Soul Man. It is an adventure. Dude, this was a lot of fun, man. Thank you. Oh, God, this is great. I love you guys. Thank we you. will see you guys. See everybody tomorrow. Donkey Needle on.